1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Laura Day is here. She is a New York Times bestselling author and well-known practicing intuitive. Can you tell us what it means to be a practicing intuitive
3: So everybody is is intuitive. And what intuition is, is non-local attention. So seeing something that's not in front of you, but actually exists. Um, Being able to move your attention, your senses in space and time. So everyone is intuitive. And often intuition creates quite a mess in our lives, which we'll, we'll get to. But being a practicing intuitive is when you're doing it as a career when you're actually applying it to real life situations with real life results. So you mentioned that everyone has intuition.
2: Do some people have it stronger than others? Like I've always referred to myself as highly intuitive. And the more I was researching about your work and listening to you on other podcasts, you were like, no, everyone has this. It's not like some people are Intuitive and others aren't. Is that right? Am I getting that right?
3: Absolutely. Everybody has, and actually, the same things that make you highly intuitive often make you highly dysfunctional as a human being. Oh, (laughs) great! Because you know, on on some level, when we're young, the healthy thing is to get that you know frontal lobe control and to have a good grasp of what the consensus reality is. Okay, and. What often happens, especially with children of trauma or not traditional brain types like spectrum disorders, ADHD, is that the brain functions differently and doesn't filter out everything it's supposed to filter out. So it can make you vulnerable in some areas, but it makes you powerful in some others. And I think, you know, one of the things that I love about the focus on neurodiversity now Is that we're seeing, oh, wait, okay, your brain doesn't work so well for memorizing the periodic tables, but it works really well for predicting the price of oil. Why don't we stop trying to make you memorize these periodic tables and why don't we train you in something different?
2: Okay, well, so how do we know, like you just mentioned these skill sets, how do we even know that about ourselves? Like, how do we know if we would be great at predicting the price of oil? Great
3: question. I call the way that uh, I train people an evidence based practice. One of the easiest ways to train your brain to get consistently realistic predictive data is to pick one thing. Um, In practical intuition, I have people pick a track they like and pick one race and predict every time that track runs the winner of the horse race, for example, or to predict. Uh, the amount of precipitation in a week, you know, you can pick anything, the important thing is that you get real life feedback. And it's not something that you could have deduced in another way. And what you do is you train that loop in yourself to say, Okay, when I pick a target, when I pick a question or goal, and I document my response, I can actually do this. And then what happens is your subconscious, which runs 95% of your show, unfortunately, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So no matter how conscious a being we think are, we are, your subconscious says, oh, this is useful. Why don't we use this? And then begins to look for ways to apply it to your life. Part of the problem um, with intuition in general is that we tend to focus, hyper focus on things we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tend to repress what the real questions we need to be asking are, you know, we, we ask, you know, we ask, will we be rich? Will we be rich and not what's the next fabulous job that can, you know, take me to a fulfilling and, uh, you know, well filled life, for example, yeah, you know, we don't, define our targets well. And, and I I hate what I call my students, I, I always get on them for this, when they magicalize intuition. Okay. Because intuition is a survival skill. It's a, a skill that allows us to predict events, it allows us to experience what someone else is thinking or feeling. Does it do, do it flawlessly? No. And by the way, the best intuitives are effective sociopaths. You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have a spiritual bent, you know, okay. you oh, you're so intuitive. You must be so spiritual. No, you could also be so intuitive and know how to manipulate everyone around you. Oh, Those are no I see. And we tend to magicalize these abilities because like many things, we don't completely understand them. And it's, you know, listen, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, spirituality. And, and we tend to make it inaccessible to ourselves by not doing simple things like let me predict tomorrow whether the Dow will close above or open. It's open, you know, above or below its opening price, and then expect to be wrong part of the time. Because if anyone ever tells you they're hundred percent right, whether it's your, you know, your your priest, your doctor, your parent, be suspicious because that right. just doesn't exist in the real world. So people want to magicalize, and people also want to find something that makes them absolutely safe. And that, of course, doesn't exist. You know, they want some power or some skill that's going to be infallible. And that power is resilience. It's mm. not intuition. It's not spiritual. It's resilience. It's it's turning that awareness and intuition toward those skills that allow you to bounce instead of break. Yeah,
2: well, that's interesting because I read a lot about you know the difference between fear and anxiety and intuition, and I could really relate to that in my life. You know, I think as someone who can be known to be a little hyper vigilant, that's where I'm like, oh, I'm so intuitive, but it's really a lot of times I'm re- I'm thinking through every scenario based off of past experiences or fears or things like that. Um, and so, what is the difference? Like, how do we know if If something is our intuition telling us something or our fear trying to protect us, because you did mention intuition is kind of a survival skill.
3: It it is. And hypervigilant people tend to also be hyperintuitive because their awareness is going all over the place. Unfortunately, they tend to be less effective because Mm. it keeps them in inaction usually, here are some cues, and you don't always know, but some cues that it's hypervigilance, that it's trauma-based as opposed to intuitive. And listen, trauma can ha- be having a brain style that didn't work for your school. You know, trauma isn't always those, once again, those huge cataclysmic right. events. Kids can be traumatized by their fear of the dark. So, you know, it, it's, but, but often repetitive fears are not valid fears. So if you are terrified that you, you're, if your intuition is telling you, you're going to die in a plane accident, that's probably the one way you're not going to die. You mm-hmm. might walk into a car while worrying about the plane accident, <laughs> but you're not, intuition doesn't tend to be repetitive. Okay. And it also, tend to have juice. What I mean by juice is intuition is a dissociative state. And, you know, many, again, intuitives are anxious because they're naturally dissociative people. And so they do kind of walk into walls. They're not very well oriented in space and time. But, um, but it's When you get something, you're not getting, oh my God, this is gonna happen to me. You're almost getting, oh, this is happening. And then you you would repress it if you couldn't do something about it. So you are not going to get an intuition about your dying in the next 20 seconds because you can't because you can't Mm -hmm. do anything about it. You will you will get an intuition, perhaps. About not getting into a red car on a foggy day, and it'll come back to you when you see that red car a month later, mm-hmm. but it'll be disp- it'll be dispassionate. It'll be something you can do something about because otherwise, you know we repress a lot and repression's a good thing. We'd all be raping and pillaging without it. We repress a lot and if you can't do something about something, then your subconscious is going to repress that intuitive awareness.
2: That's fascinating. So if it is coming to surface, it's probably because you can make a decision with that information. Okay.
3: That's, it is is almost always because of that, except, you know, it's a multi-spoked umbrella intuition. So for example, that, Pre-cognition, that's telling the future. Intuition also includes telepathy. Often you can be picking up on someone else's anxiety. My son used to call me from school and say, Ma, stop worrying. I have a French test because uh... it was getting away. And we do that especially with people we're connected to, mm-hmm. which is why if you're living with an anxious or depressed partner, it's really important to realize those are communicable diseases and you need to have Some practices in place so your conversations are not their conversations. Uh, Same thing with what I call mediumship. People think of mediumship as, oh, a medium, they talk to dead people. No, mediumship is becoming the object of inquiry. So here are my reading glasses. You could become these reading glasses and you would know a lot of important data about them. How is this useful? If you're becoming. A, a if you're, say, becoming a thousand patient sampling for a new drug against hepatitis, then you can feel like the new drug, wow, it gives this side effect. It doesn't do this. You can become something. You can experience it from its own perspective. So it's a multi-spoked umbrella. There's remote viewing, which is what the military was very interested in before we had wonderful surveillance equipment. Remote viewing was funded, and there were so many programs at places like Duke and Stanford and, you know, back before you were born. Um, and, And that's really being able to view and describe a remote location. And once again, we're all doing this all the time. We're just not conscious of of it. Um, and it's only useful if it applies to something that's, that's functional in our lives. Right. Yeah. That's interesting.
2: Okay. So my question would be, because the reason I even say I'm highly intuitive is I don't necessarily like want the information a lot of times, but I'll especially get it during dreams and I wake up and I'm very calm. Like there's no emotion tied to it most of the time, but I just know something. So is that intuition, like I'll know something about a relationship I'm in, something that my partner is doing, like I'll just know, and I don't really know what to do with that.
3: If it's correct, it's intuition. It is. If if it's not, then it's probably subconscious vomit that you're working through. Okay. It's only intuition. Once it's verified, and I have to say that as a practicing intuitive, mm-hmm. you know, I often get a "Oh, you're off your rocker!" until you're yeah. when I get a thank you, and when I train intuitives, I train them not to, you know, not to play to the choir because because I think I might have screwed that line up, but. Um, <laughs> Things to acquire, but anyway, not not to be a people pleaser because an intuitive job is to be a fly on the wall and then move to that wall a year later and sometimes say things that sound crazy. Right. Um, you know, my best public prediction, because I try never to predict in public because who knows if I'm wrong and if people follow it, then that's on me. And so I'm, right. Really, am careful. I mean, I'll do studio readings for students, but not not for civilians. So, so my my most well known one was I woke up one morning and s- called my broker, and who later went on CNN with this and said, "Sell all my stocks," and the market crashed a couple weeks later. <sighs> and uh, and she said at the time, "You know what? This is irresponsible." Blah blah blah, and she's still my broker. This was two thousand and eight, I think. Um, amazing, and she's actually one of the top female fund managers in the U.S. But but it, I was crazy until I was a genius, and mm-hmm. I think that many of us get convinced out of the intuitions that could make us truly successful because in the moment, in this point in space time, you're nuts. In this point in space-time, you're a genius. And so part of it is doing a risk-value assessment. If intuition okay. is saying jump off a of bridge, probably <laughs> the risk-value assessment is, nah, let's get a little more info on this one. But if your intuition is saying, okay, you've already made X in the market, maybe we take a little break. It's not year-end. We can always go back. Then- Perhaps that is a good thing. It's very important to not throw out your logic mm. because you're getting a sense of something. Intuition is part and parcel of good logic. And actually, genius you know uh, CEOs are genius CEOs because they use both logic and intuition in their practices. Yeah,
2: that makes total sense to me. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code Edge at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
1: Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. I heard you on another
2: podcast say something about um, oftentimes too the way we can decipher between the anxiety piece and the intuition piece is um, asking, like asking ourselves more about the anxiety, because a lot of times we do try to push down anxious feelings. And I'm probably butchering the way that you said it, but it was something about basically like our own repression. Go ahead.
3: So. What's important is people always say, well, I get a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. And then it's important to say, have you had breakfast? Uh, Is someone in your family at the dentist right now? Maybe it's some telepathy. You know, a bad feeling about what? What does this bad feeling make you want to do? Because what you want with intuition is for it to be accurate and actionable. And actually... an intuition has detail. You know, people always say, "Oh, I feel love. I'm not getting any more." That just doesn't exist. Or people say, "I don't get anything," so I pinch them. Then they get something. You know, there's always more data in in a feeling, and so it's not go into the anxiety, but say, if this anxiety were asking something of me, mm-hmm. what would it be? And then, is it something I want to do? And and who's do, who does this anxiety feel like? Because often it's not your own. And one of the things that we play often in adulthood, and it's a wonderful thing to just take a step back and look at, is sometimes we're trained into parental anxiety. Okay. And, and we are we are, in a sense, embodying a tone that we were raised with, but has nothing to do with reality. It's really important to reality test our anxiety. So I was anxious yesterday. Did anything happen? A week later, I was anxious last Tuesday. Did anything happen? Gee, nothing happened. So I'm going to repeat that to myself. I'm going to notice Mm -hmm. that when I was anxious, nothing happened but let me notice what else is going on like i forget to eat i'm one of those people who forgets to eat and then i either faint or get anxious and i know that usually the answer to anxiety is an avocado mm. you know and not not doing some other wild thing i mean once again it's important not to catastrophize or magicalize mm. an, uh, both anxiety and intuition and yeah. you know when i was first studied which was the early 80s there wasn't much we could see about the brain we could see when there was a hit or miss for example if a computer would generate something and you would predict what the computer would generate but there now what we're able to do is we're able to see that the human brain responds to a computer image that has not yet been generated because we can see what the brain is doing now we have the instrumentation to see that actually we all are precognitive and and part of the problem you know the, my one thing that makes me nuts is people who want their children to be more intuitive I mean if you think of what you do as an adult and you want your 5 year old to be able to pass boundaries and see that no you don't want that. You want children to grow ego structures mm. not you know there there used to be this whole thing about indigo children they're so open they're indigo children. No the indigo children are only indigo color from lack of oxygen. Children should be children. They should be learning to say, to know what's good and what's bad, and how to get along with people and how to protect their bodies and how to know what their opinions are and their tastes. Like that is not the none of those are intuitive practices. So it's really important in a sense for adults, especially adults who have been traumatized, to work on their ego structure. At the same time, they work on expanding to be able to experience other realities and other people. You know, there's really a balance there. And I think there I am the last survivor in my family. I had very intuitive siblings, all of whom sub- suicided. So, you know, it, it really is, you know, I am extraordinarily able to move around in space time and I didn't wasn't able to suppress that adequately i luckily have had 40 years more than 40 45 years of great psychotherapy to remind me that my place even if i can see a year from now my place is now mm. oh so it's important to have feeling to have to have affect and the struggles that we go through that are kind of easy to use intuition to leave are actually very courageous struggles in being human. You know, sitting with anxiety and learning not to respond to it, but actually to work through it. Often organizing, I wrote a book called Welcome to Your Crisis, and I am the poster child for the anxiety type. Anxiety people just need to get up, take their eye off anxiety and organize a sock drawer you know, or something that they can finish. If the anxiety is an intuition, believe me, it's going to find another way Mm -hmm. to let you know what you need to do. But anxiety demands that we focus on it like that. That that's the tale of OCD. That's not and I don't mean that in a clinical sense. You know, that's that way that we keep ourselves in our safe dysfunctional habits, Mm -hmm. not intuition, because intuition will say, this is happening, do this. Intuition will move you out of the way. Intuition will have you pick up a phone and call someone the second that something awful has happened to them and they needed to hear your voice. It won't do a whole dialogue about it. It'll just move your hand to the phone and dial the number. Do it. Just do it. You know, so much of life is doing. And it's one of the reasons I like reading companies is that when you read a company, they take the data and they do something with it. Whereas people tend to wait for their true love or even wait for their disaster. And the reality is the only reason to predict is to say, is this what I want? And if it's not, do something about it.
2: So what actually is intuition? Because I do, I agree with you. Anytime that I have had something, it is an actionable step that presents itself. And it's usually, like I said, very calm. When I feel very frantic, that's typically just the anxious, like fear, wanting me to try to get back in control of something because I feel out of control. Um, And so what is intuition? Like, where is it coming from? Is this some higher power communicating with us? Is it a subconscious thing like, where, how can you help people understand what intuition is?
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of debate, and I like to speak about what I know. Okay. So, I'm, you know, I have my own theory, which I'm happy to share, but it's one person's theory. What I know, because I have proof of, and because I've been the subject of studies on it is that we can hear each other at a distance, we can predict the future, we can view a remote location, we can even move matter to some degree, non-locally from a distance. My belief, and beliefs are not facts, um, my belief is that really this works because we are, we are one circuit in a sense, and we're each individual parts of that single circuit, and so we are able to. Uh, and the world is a, you know, that time is a place, not a continuum, so that we're able to move our attention because, on some level, we are actually part of everything mm-hmm. i don't i i don't believe um i don't believe in a higher power i may be surprised one day um and i really do think it's very important there's a wonderful devil's dictionary quote um and i actually i have it it's on my instagram but it's about belief and you know belief isn't fact It is something that some people are courageous enough to act on. I'm way too much of a scientist for that. You know, I want to know if something, if I'm jumping out of a window, I want to know that trampoline below is there, has been stress tested, is properly placed. I don't want to believe something's going to catch me. I'm just not wired that way. And I think that that makes a good intuitive because good intuitives are good scientists and people who want to develop their intuition. One of my favorite quotes is the good scientist suspends disbelief, doesn't throw it away, suspends disbelief and runs the experiment anyway. And again, one way to run the experiment is um, how do you, what's your goal? And this I'm not asking you to share yours, but yeah. what is your Goal in life. Intuition, you're getting data all the time, but the mind is a messy place and life is messy and complex. Mm-hmm. So you don't know how to integrate it or apply it. One of the best intuitive practices is to wake up and say what's today's question? Okay or what's today's goal and and then simply notice what you notice. You know, people. I recommend people my age carry a little notebook and just jot it down because, again, memory is very inaccurate. Uh, people your age should press record on your iPhones yeah. and make a voice note. But it's really helpful because then what happens is maybe not that day, but a week later, when things have had time to unfold and you listen to it, what you realize is that you knew a lot more than you knew you knew. Mm. And that just the awareness of it helped you behave in a more productive way. And and I think, you know, I, I really, I love training people to be more intuitive. And I love reading people. I'm a compulsive reader. My husband always says, I leave you at a cocktail party and you're like, talking about when they were seven and telling them about their business. He said, can't you just have a polite conversation? Um, and the answer is is no, um, because my brain doesn't work that way. I'm definitely not the one you want next to you at a dinner party, because I will bring up the one thing you're repressing and have a... Oh, my God. See, I would
2: it. want you next to me.
3: I'm like, tell me everything. <laughs> okay. We should totally get together then. Yeah, <laughs> it actually in third grade does not make you popular. I got to tell you, but it's, a very, it's very intrusive. You know, I teach a training called boot camp, and with my students, you know, we all have each other's numbers because they're learning to get data for each other. And I will pick up the phone and say, "Don't do it. I know what you're about to do. Don't don't do it." Or are you thinking of breaking your dog? Don't leave your husband. You you it's not, you know, here's what I'm seeing. Does that does that resonate with you? You know? Yeah. And, and and um and then they begin to, you know, after the second boot camp, they begin to do that to me. So I have a lot of trouble fooling myself about my motives because there's always <laughs> some pesky boot camper who's saying, you think you're doing this to be nice, but you're really doing this for this. And I would really think if you want, I mean, and I'm thinking, okay, life is a mirror that can really suck sometimes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of Tika dot com.
2: So, if you okay, so when you talk about reading a person, what does that look like? Like, will you have a session with someone? Like, no. are you getting downloads the second so you are, meet
3: people? I don't. Um, I I basically. I mean, I'm a compulsive reader, but formally, I only read companies. I've been on retainer at the same companies for thirty years. I read all of my students because I want to show them how to do it. And also because I'm just an intrusive human being and I want to fix their lives and fix them. And, Mm -hmm. um, but when, you know, people really are a series of questions, goals, concerns, and experiences, and that people are a collection of information. And when anyone meets you, whether they know it or not, they're experiencing a lot of that information and they their attention will go to either what's strongest for you, which is often, by the way, what you're oppressing. So authenticity is a really good practice. Okay. Or it'll go to what's interesting them. Like, oh, you're into s and too? Oh, wait, you didn't tell me that. You know, <laughs> it, 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 so so it's, you know, we we are... We are circuitry in a sense. And when you meet someone, you know, what we are trained to do, and this is good training, is we're trained to repress a lot of what we know about people. And we also don't have the bandwidth. You know, you walk into a room with 10 people, you don't have the bandwidth to pick up on everything. So you you pick up on what interests you. And one of the things, just speaking to the anxiety question, is often... What anxious people do in situations, social situations, is they pick up on the threats because that's how they're wired. And so they don't enjoy them. They're experiencing, they experiencing social anxiety. Um, and one of, the, one of the ways to, um, and my husband taught me this, uh, he taught me instead of just kind of being wide open and picking things up about people, Um, or being a sieve, which I often do, just being loose enough that things go right through me and I don't have to notice them or process them. He taught me to say, okay, what's my end goal here? At a cocktail party, my end goal is to have an interesting conversation with someone and make a connection, make it a heart connection. Um, Or, you know, my end goal may be to... um, get somebody to invite me to their country house or my end goal, you know, what is my, you know, what do you want to get out of this? Um, Because often intuitive people, like anxious people, just get pulled every which way with no direction. And Mm -hmm. I wrote my fourth book, it's called The Circle. And it really was my answer to how do I use this in a productive way and not in a way that just gives me adjective? Because people think they want more information. I mean, you were smart enough to say, I don't want to know. There are things I don't want to know. I I want to be able to experience this moment now, Mm. you know, but um, I forgot the question. I'm sorry. Well, Oh,
2: no, I did too. I, I do think I was just really taken by that point about asking yourself your motives though, because I'm, I'm sensing this connection between our intuition and everything we're repressing constantly. Right. And so like, if we know even going to a party, like you said, what, what is our goal? That's just another way to communicate with ourselves and really kind of get a sense of what's driving us, which a lot of times is where I get Confused with the anxiety and the intuition piece because if I don't really know what I, my goal is or what's driving me, that gets really muddy for me. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So here's here is uh, a way to work with that. Okay. Instead of asking yourself what your goal is, notice what parts of what you're doing make you happy or comfortable. Okay. Because because a good experience is very nourishing, just like good food. Yeah. And if you find what makes you happy, and what nourishes you, it will tend to reveal your goals. You know, people always say, Oh, I don't know what I should do with my life. I'm like, well, what do you enjoy? Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually really in uh, the thing I enjoy the most is being inside of people and I learn from their lives. So my husband goes to a cocktail party because he loves information and he's very social. I go because it's an opportunity to sit with people and really experience them, which for Mm. me, you know, the best ice cream cone in the world. So, you know, even if what I'm experiencing is pain, because when it's not your pain... It may be something that, that empowers you because you can help them do something about it. Or right. maybe it's it teaches you because you haven't experienced it or, you know, it's but but it's very important to have some some mastery of your senses. And we get intuition. People always say, how do you get intuition? We get intuition the same way we get all information, taste, smell. Sight, hearing, feeling, and that sixth sense of mm-hmm. thinking, which is the gestalt of all of it. And, and so when you, for example, view a remote location, which is a misnomer, and in How to Rule the World from Your Couch, there are all these fun exercises that actually give you verification. And verification is so important, because otherwise, you just need better meds. Otherwise, you're just imagining <laughs> But you go in, you view a situation by seeing it, smelling it, tasting it, feeling it, being in it. And then your sixth sense knows, oh, I see where I am. I'm in a glove compartment. And let's say you're using your remote viewing to find someone's ring. You know, oh, I see where I am. I'm in a glove compartment. Let me step outside and see which of their cars it is. It's really... Um, healthy when you become more aware of how mobile your attention is. It's also healthy because the best thing about becoming trained as an intuitive is shutting it down. Mm. Not hearing everybody's judgments about you. Why do you care? Not feeling everybody's feeling. People say, I'm an empath. I say, great. If you're an empath and you feel everyone's feelings, you need either better meds, better therapy, or both. I mean, that's that's pathology. That's not healthy. You know, truly being empathetic is simply being able to be aware of someone else's point of view and understand it, not experiencing it, which is how we tend to use that in our language. That is is a need for psychic self-defense. That is an intuitive, you know, uh, leaking in a sense. Oh,
2: yeah. You know, I, really- I relate to that because I can pick up other people's stuff. And it it is, it's very codependent and dysfunctional for me. Like I need to have that boundary to where I'm not feeling it because it's crippling. If you're picking up everyone's emotions all the time, it is exhausting. And I can't function in my own life. I've struggled with that in relationships, honestly, because it takes me down. Me too. Yeah, really me too. not having that boundary.
3: Or oh, even like experiencing someone else's joy. I want mm-hmm. to experience joy at the things that give me joy. And and it is, you know, I think that when you have an a, a, a highly unbounded brain, an intuitive brain one of the things one of the healthiest practices is mindfulness. And in practical intuition, I call it the body check. What am I tasting, feeling, seeing, smelling, hearing? Where am I in space time? How do I feel? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am Mm -hmm. I cold? Am I warm? You know, just really being as fully as you can be inside yourself. And it is it, it is a real challenge. It's not it's not um healthy to be unbounded because it really makes us less effective and human beings are very economical creatures and subconsciously without intending often in close relationships we get other people to express our anger for example or to take up our banner when it's really ours you know our battle to I mean it's it's it it is very important and my whole next book that right now is out for a publisher is about the human ego is about this very precious machinery that we grow and are constantly revising that takes this spiritual energy this amorphous unified energy and creates from it creates our bodies our lives our opinions You know, and I I think that anything that, that takes us away from the obligation to be okay, to parent ourselves well, is not healthy for us. You know, martyrs are not healthy people. Right.
2: Well, I love that you even mentioned it around the topic of joy, because if you don't have boundaries and you're just picking up on everyone else's joy, even, although it's like a good thing and you want your friends and your relationship, the other people you're in relationship with to be happy. I know for me, I have lost, I'm coming out of a season of just like complete self-abandonment and not knowing myself because I was getting my joy from other people's joy or getting my power from other people's power. And it's like, it crashes eventually because it's not authentic to me. And so right now I'm in this place of like navigating, wait, is that actually true for me or what I like or what I feel? Does that actually make me happy or sad or any of that stuff? And a lot of that probably can tie into the ego conversation I would imagine as well. But just having those boundaries in general so that you can tap into your own intuition, I would imagine is a lifelong journey.
3: And so you can tap into your own life experience. Right. Just like I'm sure everyone has that friend who lives in fantasy and the fan, but that that actually you can see their life unraveling as they're living in that fantasy. And people, Mm -hmm. even more than fear, people confuse fantasy with intuition. You know, I love it when people say, oh, I've seen five posters of this rock star. I mean, I get emails like this that's a sign that I'm supposed to be with her. And I said, the fact that she's married, has two kids, lives in a different state and doesn't know you exist, isn't a sign? Like, how do you choose what's a sign? Everything is a sign. We live in a simplistic world and we don't live by signs. We are creating our lives. And I think that that is the most dangerous downside of intuition. Which is, you know, something can be good and feel bad, like exercise, frankly. Good, <laughs> it but it true. feels bad. Yeah. And I, I think that we and and something like rage, which we've labeled awful. I mean, the flip side of rage is passion. Mm. Those are the people who rebuild the cities after the disasters. Mm-hmm. It just has to be properly channeled. And we are creators of our life. And yes, you know, some people have more of this to create with some people have more of that you, you, you know, I, I always tell my students, positive thinking is a sure way that if that bullets aimed at you, it's going to hit you. And negative thinking is also a sure way you're going to walk right into it, because all you're seeing is that bullet, empowered, realistic thinking, which is, gee, bullets coming at me, not good, will hit me. I can move. I may not want to move, but I can move. And if I don't move, I'm making a choice. Yes.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
1: Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: I think the biggest thing I've heard that is really helpful to me is just... Intuition being tied to the action, like it just being obvious that there's an action step when it when it's coming from an intuitive place. So, how do we use this? Let's talk about intuition in business because I know you mentioned that most of the work you do is going into different businesses and I'm imagine intuiting different things. That well, how does that work? What are you doing with these businesses?
3: So well, here's the thing: intuition is an idiot's gift. Okay. You ask intuition a question; it gives you data. So when I work with a company, a lot of I do anything that that their natural questioning would want to know, for example, uh, will this product be successful? Oh, it won't be. Then the na- next natural question is what what will get in the way of its success? Perhaps this movie's coming out at the wrong time. It shouldn't be a Halloween movie. It should be a spring movie. You know, it's so so what i do is the questions that they have about their own company mm-hmm. i i use intuition to experience it and one of the th- most difficult things you know your most difficult reading is going to be your best friend cuz you know your best friend every day online i have a group of people who don't know each other who do readings for each other because in the absence of intuition your, your, uh I mean, in the absence of information, your intuition, that, that's all you have. Mm. So a company will ask me any question that they would want to know about. um If we hire this person as a CEO, what are their upsides and downsides? And often, you know, one of the things I teach uh, students do, because I train students for business, I train intuitives for business, um is is to really give the person the information without saying, do this or do that. People confuse advice with information. Usually the companies I'm working for know what they're doing a hell of a lot better than I do. I'm just giving them data they might not have access to. So, for example, I'll be able to say, I have a feeling that this person left another job 18 months ago. And I would look into why there is something that might get in the way of. So giving things, you know, learning to give things that people can verify in the moment when you're making a prediction is also really helpful. And sometimes they're very silly things. And the only reason is to say, okay, I've hit my target or I've missed my target. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of reading for business is telling the future seeing what's wrong with a dynamic, headhunting, finding finance for a product uh, or a project. Um, And, and, you know, we're all a business. I mean, I, I think of, even when I'm doing a reading for one of my students, I see them as a business. They they, they they are a product and how do I make this product more viable? The difference with a person is how do I make it more pleasurable for them too since mm-hmm. they have feelings? Um, and I've worked for the same companies uh, for 30 years, which is great because the, I always, you know, I, 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 I know that a lot of the time, Things can be imaginations. So having knowing you're wrong, having someone say, wow, that was really off, is as helpful as knowing you're right. And yeah. people are so afraid to be wrong. You know, one of the most difficult things in training intuitives is training them to allow themselves to make mistakes. Because intuition is simply reporting. You're reporting information. It doesn't come in and say, I'm right, I'm intuitive. There is a process. And the process is find your target, follow your attention. You're not looking for anything. Follow your attention and report. And often when you're doing a reading for someone else, and you can all try this, you can say to someone, write down a question. Okay, And then just tell them everywhere your intuition goes you know some of it can be memory some of it is something you notice in the room some of it is that ringing that was interfering a moment ago you know and and what you learn to do as it becomes a practice is it really becomes a coherent stream of consciousness and the person you're leading understands perfectly. And you have no idea what you're saying. I mean, you are literally just following your attention and reporting. And that's when you know, you've done a good reading, when you have the guts to do it and not have the security of someone nodding. Oh, that's right. Because by the way, when I used to read people, they'd always agree with what they agreed with. And often what they agreed with was wrong. You know, it's often those things that you say, you know, uh, Um, wow, I'm observing X, Y, and Z, and they say, Oh, no, that's way off. That person, you know, that person's just fine with me. Meanwhile, they find out three months later they're having an affair. You know, it's it's, you know, people we are both held together and limited by our own patterns, and those patterns are also beliefs and often an intuitive will tell you something and i always say to people when you get intuitive information pretend it's all correct try it on and then throw out what doesn't work for you but keep the notes because okay. often with the passage of time yeah you know it 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 reveals itself and and people love people love to scare themselves and to scare other people and You know, if you don't like a piece of information, you say, okay, can I do something about this? Mm
2: -hmm. That is actually so helpful. And exactly like what you just said, keep the notes. I always record anytime I've been read, I record it because I'll go back later and listen to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that did happen. Or it's just stuff that's not on your radar that seems completely outlandish in the moment. And then it happens later and you're like, oh my God,
3: (laughs) there it is. So it's just really and, and interesting. The best thing is if something you don't want, yeah, then intuitive is wrong. To take a simple action to clean up something that maybe might be there, right. usually is productive. Right. Totally. Well, we're going to talk more with
2: Laura um, on Friday. You'll be here with me and Chip talking about love and how to use intuition in our love relationships. Chip and I are both single, so we need some help. We need some intuitive guidance here, but... Um, where can people find you if they themselves maybe want to do some intuitive learning or really hone those skills?
3: Well, I've written six books on intuition, starting with practical intuition. Okay. And they're all workshops. I'm on Instagram almost every morning, Eastern Daylight Time. Okay. So or Eastern Standard Time, when the times change at Laura Day Intuit. And you can just Google Laura Day Intuitive or Laura Day Psychic, and I will come up along with plenty of malicious gossip, which is fun to read. So um, <laughs> I have I have a I have a website. You know, I really, I really love teaching. And so every morning, that's what I do. I get online and I have people that I've trained and newcomers, and they read each other and we work through the quirks, and it's a wonderful way to start the day. And then we really work on mindfulness. So we're not all over the place in someone else's body when we get dressed and go out to work.
2: Yeah, that is really good inside. All right. Well, you guys, I'll put all this info in the description of this podcast. Laura, thank you so much for being here. And we will talk to you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History
3: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath,
2: and feel new?